Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. It's taking ever close to midnight. Tua time is getting closer and closer. And with that, who better to talk about the Miami Dolphins than Joshua House? Welcome into Finsider Radio. Before we get on with the show, before we talk about Miami's eight-point loss to the Seattle Seahawks at home on Sunday afternoon, hit that subscribe button, leave a review. That stuff helps us out so, so much. Also, during the game, we've been getting some tweets. We love to see it. Keep that going. You can find me at jmendel, M-E-N-D-E-L, 94. And Joshua, Joshua's pretty simple, at House. So, Josh... Five field goals. You're facing a Seattle secondary that is banged up. Russell Wilson could have had a much, much better game. And all we're kind of stuck with here is a bad taste in our mouth. What was the biggest issue for the Miami Dolphins yesterday? Let's just get right into it. Yeah, I mean, it had to be the way they were unable to not only get pressure on Russell Wilson, but like we mentioned before, we said that Miles Gaskins needed to have a bigger role in this offense, had to make some of those explosive plays. That didn't happen. We mentioned that Noah Benogany had to step up because it was unlikely both Xavier Howard and Byron Jones would be healthy. Byron Jones was out. Noah Benogany was asked to step up. We saw him getting beat, whether it was you know a miscommunication in zone coverage, whether it was a man and Russell Wilson just smelled blood. Noah Benogany a factor you know it didn't work out you hope that he bounces back because again I'm not ready to give up on a 20 year old but it, you know you look at this you sit here and you say you we all sat there and watched the game we have this bad taste in our mouth like you said but it was still only an eight point loss to the Seattle Seahawks so it's bittersweet you need to do more though when you get down in the red zone and you absolutely got to do more than kicking five which is we all love Tony Tony Sperano RIP Tony Sperano we we need to do better than field goals we don't want fist pumps we don't we, want to be fist pumping. We don't want to be fist pumping. We, we want to get in the end zone, and, you know, by the end of this podcast, we'll tell you what we think the Dolphins' offense needs to do to, to reach pay dirt. Let's do that. Let's start on the defensive end because I think that that's kind of the easier conversation to have here. One, you mentioned it, Noah Igbenogny there, that horrendous, horrendous, horrendous uh, last drive in the first two minutes of the the half, and it, it, it hurt the Dolphins. I mean, it no way to really sugarcoat it there. That was absolutely brutal. But to kind of put it into perspective, he's a rookie, right? Uh, Patrick Sertain, uh, Sammy Madison, those guys both really struggled as rookies. So to kind of think about it here, not only are the Dolphins down their best cornerback, but a 20-year-old is out there taking snaps. You, nothing's going to be great. This is the second time in, what, two weeks he's been beat badly, and and there's no defending that, but... He's a rookie. The only hope is he can learn from this stuff. We talk about how much Brian Flores likes his high-character guys. 
I want this happening when he's a rookie. I think the Dolphins right now need to be in a situation where they're trying to play winning football. They're calling winning plays, and the winning talent just isn't there yet. That's where you're, what you're supposed to be doing. That's what you're supposed to see in the second year of a rebuild. You kind of saw some growth already. You saw that Preston Williams fumble or a drop, excuse me, against the Bills in the red zone inside the five-yard line even where that touchdown could have changed the game. We saw that same thing today where Preston Williams caught it. It was on a two-point conversion. That's what we want to see out of these young guys. We want to see the plays are there, the idea is there. If we take a couple chances and they don't go our way, if Noah Igbenogany is too aggressive and he needs to learn that the hard way, so be it. This is the year to make these mistakes and, and for as frustrating that drive was and how we can sit here and say that was the worst play the Dolphins made all day, is by far uh, one of the last things on my radar in terms of reasons why this team lost. Because I think when you look at what the Dolphins are trying to develop, there are going to be so much errors. This team's going to just keep getting younger. We kind of joke about how Kyle Van Noy is 29, 30 years old, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is eight years older than him. How old the uh, the how big that gap really is. It's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger, whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick talking about how old he is, or even as quickly it's going to become Kyle Van Noy. These mistakes are going to happen, and for the sake of that, I mean, obviously you want to make Russell Wilson work for it, but he's going to pick up on those mistakes by the Dolphins' defense right away. And even with that play, I don't think this defense played nearly nearly as bad as that 31 points say. I think this defense played well enough for this team to come out with a victory, and that's basically how I want to sum it up. I mean, we can go down to the different crossroads of Christian Wilkins need to play better. We can go down the crossroads of, hey, Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Agba, those guys are going to have performances that leave us excited about these guys being found or the, the foundation blocks for the next three to four years. But Josh, pick your adventure. What on this defense really kind of stood out to you? Yeah, you have to mention Emmanuel Agba. Like you said, he had the sack. I, I think he forced a fumble there. I mean, the guy was all over the place, and we saw the progress throughout. You know, each week they just started to get better. Shaq Lawson, again, was all over the field. Both those players not only rushed to pass well, but also set the edge. And I mean, it was. It, you, you mentioned it. The defense is not to blame for this loss, and I'm really not entirely sure, you know, who's to blame. You got to go out there and got to execute better on offense. You got to go out there and you got to score points, and we'll talk about that. But defensively, you know, you mentioned Noah Igbenogany. Yes, he's a rookie. Yes, he had those mistakes. But I'm looking at it right here from Pro Football Focus. Uh, Ryan Smith, the guy who used to do Dolphins, PFF. Xavier Howard was targeted seven times yesterday, allowed mm. six receptions, 133 yards. So you mentioned Noah Igbenogany, and we know he's going to have struggle. You know, he's 20 years old, the youngest guy in the league. What about Xavier Howard? You know, this is a superstar. This is a guy who's top five cornerback money. A lot of people thought, you know, after all these different knee injuries, is he cooked? I mean, he keeps making those plays. And, you know, it's that bend, don't break attitude. But when you're giving up 133 yards through the air, allowing six of those seven receptions, yes, you had that awesome interception that saved a touchdown. I mean, those are the plays that other guys on this team need to step up and make. But you need to see more out of Xavier Howard, especially when Byron Jones is out. And I think, you know, uh, I forget who it was, but they mentioned – the, the Seattle was without their best defensive player and they traveled, you know, from West to East coast. Dolphins were also without arguably their best defensive player in Byron Jones. We have yet to see what he can do in a Miami uniform. And I still think he's the best overall talented, you know, cornerback on the roster. So the secondary need to step up. We saw what happened when Bobby McCain went out. I mean, again, Bobby McCain was flashing. He, he broke up some passes, saw him all over the field. And you saw the way that defense performed when he left. Got to give a shout out to Zach Sealer, as a guy that people were joking. You know, what are you, his mom? You want more reps for him? He went out there. I mean, he was he was making an impact. He was having an impact that you would expect from a Christian Wilkins. I mean, there's different pieces that are slowly starting to come together. 
I still want to see more Andrew Van Ginkle. I think he had like a, what was it, like 17 snaps. It was a low number. I want to see him get more reps. But overall, you're seeing these young guys get better. Uh, they just couldn't put it together this day. And, I mean, again, you're playing Russell Wilson. You're playing the Seattle Seahawks. They were banged up. But, you know, he goes out there and he makes those plays. And if the Dolphins offense, you know, even makes it into the red zone or scores a touchdown one time on those drives instead of settling for a field goal, this is a whole different ball game. So there, there's two – perspectives I want to kind of hit on here from the uh, Xavier Howard performance and from either of them I don't want the takeaway to be this I'm not saying he played well one I think uh, I hope you can kind of agree with me here the Dolphins played a lot of zone defense is it safe to kind of say that was that was the case yesterday yeah I think we've kind of seen them mixing it in a little bit a lot more actually you know now that Byron Jones is out they definitely been playing a lot more zone than we're accustomed to so with that, I don't think Xavier Howard has ever been a zone cornerback. I think the reason why Brian Flores loves him, I think the reason why uh, the former staff loved him so much is because he's a physical, in-your-face, man-coverage cornerback. He's going to get physical. He's going to try to slow you down. And at the end of the play, he's going to put himself in a position to either knock it away or have an interception. Interception. Now, there were some plays where it was kind of zone and he just made a tackle. Some of those he might have been credited with. But again, I don't. I did not see the Xavier Howard we're used to. I don't think we've ever known him as being a fast player, but I mean, he's definitely has a little bit of burst and that's how he's able to kind of make up uh, some of those plays. So you have to wonder when someone like Byron Jones comes back and next week is actually looking kind of good. I thought there was a slight chance this week. We might see him for the sake of he was practicing a little bit, but when Byron Jones comes back and you can kind of play the defense that Brian Flores wants to run um, because Without him, you see that Noah Igbenogany just kind of gets torched on those crossing routes over and over. So the Miami Dolphins chose to play some of this de- uh, zone defense to slow down the DK Metcalfs and the Tyler Lockett's the world. And despite those numbers against Xavier and Howard, I think they did a good enough job of slowing those wide receivers down. So I think I'm I'm a little concerned about Howard, but as long as he's making those plays, obviously I don't think a turnover is worth 137 yards. But I think he's always going to be that type of cornerback where you know he's going to. Uh, maybe give up a 17-yard reception here, a 12-yard reception here. But as you go over Adam time and time again, you're going to uh, have a smaller window of able, a window, a space of being able to get that ball in where he might be able to come up with an interception. So that's kind of the, my, my two points there is that when Byron Jones comes back, I think we're going to see a different uh, level of comfort from Xavier and Howard when they're playing that defense that Brian Flores wants to play, that man coverage beat us, be physical with us, and see if you can get biased type of thing. And then two, um, as long as Xavier Howard keeps making those plays, keeps getting those turnovers, I think we're going to have to be okay with him giving up five receptions, six receptions, some weeks here or there. Yeah, and especially when you're matched up across from DK Metcalf or, you know, even Tyler Lockett at times. They're going to get those plays. It's not out of the ordinary, but again, we can't put any of this blame. At least I don't feel like we can personally put blame on the defense because they went out there and, you know, for for lack of a better word, you know, they did pretty solid against, you know, Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, who again came in here. They were red hot, absolute firing on all cylinders. And I think Russell Wilson had, what, two touchdowns in this game? I mean, they, they played well enough that the offense, again, if they would have went down there and made the most out of some of those drives, it uh, would have been a completely different ball game. I think it's worth noting that it, maybe we should be a little concerned about someone like a Jerome Baker who kind of saw his snaps cut a little bit. Uh, someone like a Landon Roberts is getting more and more comfortable on this team, and he's running around like a dart, which is incredibly exciting. Um, and outside of that, everything kind of is what it is. Um, I see a lot of 
uh, like you said, Sealer, Zach Sealer, and um, Raquan Davis getting snaps on the inside. I did not see much of Christian Wilkins at all. Um, we got to start seeing more of him, but I, I, those are the quick rundowns of, of a pretty okay performance. Uh, the Seattle running game averaged three point yards a carry. Uh, Chris Carson had 16 uh, runs for 80 yards, along of 18 with two touchdowns. Again, I didn't think the defense really, really had any issues stopping Carson. I think they forced the Seattle Seahawks into some punts. They got a fourth down stop with a sack. I, I, again, there are going to be numbers. This defense isn't built to shut down teams from the start to finish. That's the rebuild. Uh, but in terms of keeping the Seattle Seahawks out of the red zone or end zone for a lot of this game, I think uh, it's what we're going to have to be okay with. And, and I think it's more than enough at the moment. Yeah, they held Seattle under 100 yards rushing, and you held Russell Wilson at 360 and, again, two touchdowns, and he had that interception like we mentioned. So I think the defense played a good enough ball game. I think we're seeing the progress throughout the weeks. I think we're starting to see some of these young pieces. You mentioned Christian Wilkins. He admittedly said I think he had 41 snaps. He was asked, you know, about that one tackle out of 41 snaps. He, He admits he needs to do better than that, and you know, I think all the fans can agree with that because when you see a guy like Zach Sealer who, you know, his snaps, snaps have been limited, but he's going out there and making the most out of some of those and, and doing more, becoming more of a factor up front, taking on those two or, or two defenders at a time and opening things up. I mean, he's out there making more plays than Christian Wilkins did, at least in the Seattle game. So you want to see more out of Wilkins. Uh, we know the fan base has been a little harsh on him, but I think he admits that he needs to do better. And I think all these players do, but you're slowly starting to see these guys start to mesh together. You're starting to see what this defense can look like. I think it's going to be a completely different ball game if Byron Jones is healthy. And as we'll talk about throughout the week, you know, the Dolphins feel pretty good that if he practices, he will be good to go Sunday against San Francisco. So we talked about the defense. Uh, here's a word from our advertisement. And when we get back, we will talk about the offense. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito So, Joshua, I think it's safe to say a five-field goal performance. Uh, we, we spoke about it last week. We kind of said there was some concern about, well, the two drafts I brought up was the fact the Dolphins ran the ball in third and six just to make it a fourth and one take a penalty, go back five yards, and punt it. Very weird uh, turn of events. And then there was also the time in the red zone where they just kind of ran it up the middle three times with Miles Gaskin, kicked the field goal, and called it a day. And and my kind of spiel about that was that the Dolphins, year, like I said before the break, it's year two of the rebuild. These are the times where you start figuring out what is working for us, whether it's the talent just isn't there or what. You're going to have some failures. You're going to look bad sometimes. But you need to try to 
play winning football. And we saw it against Seattle. And it was kind of concerning right away because, you know, start Ryan Fitzpatrick interception, first drive. I think his arm got hit. But, I mean, that's still something you can't let happen. Turn, turning the page, it goes to a Chris Carson touchdown. And then I just kind of want to bring up a couple plays here because the first Miami Dolphins field goal, I was pretty okay with that one. It was a fourth and 13. They had a first and 20 at the Seattle 30. That's not a lot of real estate to really work the middle of the field. It happens. You kick a field goal. There was a mistake there. But then the second Miami Dolphins field goal, uh, and then you look at that second Miami Dolphins drive, it starts with the Wildcat. You, you messaged me. It was awesome to see the Wildcat, and it worked pretty well, except they only did it for one play. They got five yards with a, with a direct snap to Lynn Bowden. But from there, Miles Gaskin right up the middle, two yards. That brings it to a third and three. Incomplete pass to Isaiah Ford. That's the drive. At the Seattle 11 on a fourth and three, you need to go for that. You need to think of a play where you can get three yards. Getting three yards, if you cannot get that, if you don't have a play in the book to get you that three yards, you're never going to be a playoff team. You're never going to put yourself in a position to win games because if you can't get three yards against the Seattle Seahawks at home on a hot Sunday, that's a huge issue. And then right after that, the Seattle Seahawks, they kind of showed that, hey, we're not going to settle for field goals. They had a fourth and three turnover on downs. It was uh, Russell Wilson was sacked. Obviously, the defense made a play. It didn't ruin the game for the Seahawks. They still put up 31 points. It's because you're not settling for those field goals. They knew, they were confident they had a play that we can get three yards against this Miami Dolphins team at home. Obviously, that didn't work there, but they took that chance and it didn't work out. Next Miami Dolphins drive. You have a second and 10, six-yard pass to Devontae Parker. It sets up a third and four. Brian Fitzpatrick, pass incomplete, deep right to Jakeem Grant, brings up a fourth and four. You kick that field goal from the Seattle 27-yard line. The same thing. We're starting to see the trend of this team is scared. You know, you don't, you need to go for these plays. You could go over four for all I care. But when two is in, it's going to look different. You need to start thinking about what kind of plays you want to do in this situation where the Dolphins start playing. Now, Josh, I can go in for the two more here because it's it's still a little shocking. The next one with the Dolphins were trailing 17-12 to 12 when they kicked a field goal. It was a fourth and five after an incomplete pass. And then that was basically the game from there after that one. Sorry, there was one more field goal. It's hard to get caught up on them. And it was another fourth and five. It was actually a third and three, and Miles Gaskin lost two yards on third down. So that kind of tells you where this uh, backfield is. I think we need a change. I think I'm ready to say two at a time. I think I'm ready to say Matt three at a time. Let's ride into the sunset. Let's get a high-powered offense, and let's roll. Yeah, and I think that's what it's going to take. And I think the best part is, and I mean, we all sit here and we can applaud Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, he's been a hell of a veteran here. He led the Dolphins to five victories last year. We know what he means to this locker room, but he just doesn't look the same. And, yes, he's going out there making some unbelievable passes and making these nice runs and scoring to keep the Dolphins in this game. But let's be honest, the velocity doesn't seem like it's there for, for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And just the way this offense continues to sputter, like you said, and, and we mentioned it going into this game, if the Dolphins wanted to win, they had to be bold. They were not bold. There was an early play, I believe it was in the first quarter, where Ryan Fitzpatrick threw the ball. He was called over the line. Everyone saw the replay. He was clear as day Ryan Fitzpatrick's body was behind the line. Dolphins didn't even bother challenging that play. That could have set that drive going forward. Who knows what could have happened? You know, there's all these different missed opportunities. The Dolphins, I think we all saw the the measurement there. I mean, we won't even get into that. But the, the Dolphins had some opportunities there. They, they didn't go out there and make the most of it. And when you kick five field goals, I mean, Jason Sanders has been a hell of a kicker. When, when you're going out there and settling for field goals, it's just – it, it, the Dolphins need to do more than that. And they're 1-3 and three now, and before it was, you know, maybe Tua wasn't healthy. 
Brian Flores continues to say it has nothing to do with Tua's health. You know, he's not ready to throw him out there. I can understand that it's been four games. You're going to give Ryan Fitzpatrick maybe San Francisco. But what happens when Ryan Fitzpatrick goes out there and does what we continue to see him do? And I respect the hell out of him because he went out there and said, you know, a lot of the guys on this roster played well enough to win. I wasn't one of them. And he felt like shit because of that. And he should. But at some point, the Dolphins have to realize, you know, this is what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. If we want to win those games, if we want to beat Seattle, not only do we have to be bolder and you have to go out there and Brian Flores has to do Brian Flores things and not quite look like a Joe Philbin or one of those guys that are just going out there to just get by and to stay into the game into the fourth quarter. you got to be bold. You couple that with bringing in a guy like Tuatunga Vailoa. I mean, I see throws out there that I, I – I we, we 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 leaked that Chester Rogers stuff, and you could see some of those impressive ass throws from Tua. I mean, you see the plays out there on the field. I mean, there was one where Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't even look, and Mike Jasicki was you know streaking right down the field, wide open. I just yep. think what Tua would do, not only to this fan base, not only to this offense, but just to this team. I mean, they're one and three now. At this point, you know, it, there's only a few things you can do between now and you know the end of the season to turn things around. I mean, Buffalo. They're running away with the division. We know New England still New England. The Jets, I mean, let's hope, <laughs> let's pray to God to give Adam Gase a new contract extension. But I wanted to come on here. I wanted to try to be, take a step back and just be honest. I, I'm a huge, I'm ready for Tua. We're both ready for Tua, but I don't think we're going to see it this week. We kind of hear, you know, the Da Vinci code and the little hints that Brian Flores is throwing out there during his press conferences. It sounds like, you know, it could be one of those things where, Again, Fitzpatrick goes out there. He has these two mistakes. That ball gets tipped. It's an interception. You, you go down early against San Francisco. Who knows what they might do to jumpstart it? But I think it's going to be a week. But I think you know this is what the offense needs because we've seen what it can do under Fitzpatrick. I, I love you know just what he embodies. Just how this entire team rallies around him. But it's to a ton of Iloa time, and I, I think we can both agree. You know, it's it's time to be hyped because we see what Justin Herbert's doing out there. We saw Joe Burrow. What was it? Three consecutive 300-yard games, or 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 four, whatever it was, and then they, he got his first win. I mean. We're seeing these rookie quarterbacks. It's time. It's our time to see what Tua can do. Might not be this week, but but I think it's coming a lot sooner than many expected. Yeah, and and that's kind of a huge point of it, too. I mean, Brian Flores talked about not being pressured, and it's hard to not be pressured when you see what uh, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are doing. That kind of just adds to that little bit of we want to see our guy. And with that, too, like you mentioned the, the play over the line where uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, was still behind. Uh, there was the Noah Igbenagu play. Those are plays, like, issues that happen for this team, and we're, neither of them are the reason why they lost. That's kind of just speaks volumes to how well I think the level of this football team can be. I think that's why when you look at the Buffalo Bills game uh, in Week 2 where they lost by missing out on that touchdown, three or four plays inside the three-yard line, those are the type of the difference makers between the Dolphins being right there with a very, very good team you can tell that the uh, you know the growth is there. The rebuild is headed in the right direction. But you still need to keep moving. You still need to see these bright spots of you see the idea of what they're going for here, right? At least uh, with that Bills drive compared to now, that Preston Williams uh, uh, throw, like I mentioned earlier, that was a touchdown or a two-point conversion today. You see that the plays are there and the guys are gaining confidence. You need that with Tua next. I mean, I don't know how much better Ryan Fitzpatrick's really going to get Obviously, say it was one of his worst games, but I mean, even against Jacksonville, there were plays left on the field. Putting into a, the the excitement, the jazz, everyone would be jazzed up. I think it it really needs to happen. Uh, Fitzpatrick sacked once yesterday. The offensive line seems awesome, and you know that Seattle defense that was no Legion of Boom. 
That was a unit that was missing the three of their top five or six guys. And we the, the, the Dolphins couldn't get into the end zone. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick ran one in, but it was at the end of the game when it didn't even matter. You know, and that's why if these are the type of games, like you'd say, this is perfect for Tua. That secondary is struggling. If he can go out there and get three touchdowns, if he misses three-fourths downs at the same time and the Dolphins lose, I don't know, 23 to 31, you're feeling better than you are right now because you saw Tua get that. You saw Tua show himself that I can go for it in fourth down. These are some things I need to change. I'm going to get confident. I know what to do. I can compete with Russell Wilson. Like, those are the type of, like, it's not always going to be that simple, too, right? This game could have been in Seattle on Sunday Night Football, and Seattle all healthy, I'd say it wasn't a Tua game. But, you know, that's why you can't go into the season saying they're going to sit Tua until the bye week or they're going to sit him until after week six or whatever it is because the scenario that the Dolphins have right now, that Seattle team was primed that to have a quarterback come in and throw the ball against them. San Fran is going to be another little boost up, another team still struggling with injuries. But you go into you play Seattle, you're feeling good. You can be confident that, hey, we can beat San Fran too. And then Denver, another team with injuries, struggling quarterback play. You could have Tua sitting here right now in a perfect position where, hey, the Dolphins might have still lost 31 to 23, but he's getting that confidence. He's getting that knowledge. He's competing at this level, and the team's going to rally around that and get energized. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's what we're all waiting for, and we do have to touch on, we mentioned the offense. I, you kind of got to tip your hat to Devontae Parker and what he's he did. Awesome. I mean, uh, so he awesome. came back in, you know, he kind of said a couple weeks ago, you know, I'm I'm not going to miss any more time with, you know, these small little tweaks. And to, to credit to him, he went out there and he put up, uh, got the numbers right here, I think he had 10 catches. What was it? He caught 10 to 12 targets for 110 yards. I mean, hat tip to him. Isaiah Ford again caught four or 10 targets, 48 yards. Would have loved to see more of Mike Jasicki again another week with only three targets. He had one reception for 15 yards. So they got to get him more involved. And it's funny because I was sitting here while you were talking and it just dawned on me. You know, we're sitting here talking about this goal line offense, you know, this red zone offense. Is that not what we were saying a couple weeks ago? Is that not what you were going on your rant about with Jordan Howard and just this entire offense having to be better in the red zone? And now look, it's week four. We're a quarter of the way through the season and we're still talking about it. I mean, again, that was the difference between the Dolphins beating the Seattle Seahawks and proving that they're a team that can go out there and win these games. And uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw the ball 45 times, 29 completed passes, uh, and two interceptions, zero touchdowns. I mean, this game was on him. The defense, I think they played well enough. And I think, like you said, the offensive line's playing well. Um, they had a run game going. I mean, again, Miles Gaskin, 10 carries, 40 yards. He was averaging four yards per carry. We saw Matt Breida get a little bit more involved. Would have loved to see more of him. Um, you see the pieces there, and I, I do think it's it's time that we start talking about Tua, and you see it starting to happen. Flores is being asked these questions. The players are being asked these questions. It's only a matter of time, and I do think, like you said, they bring Tua in, and this offense, this team can just it can be rejuvenate this entire team, this entire fan base, this entire franchise, and you know the sky's the limit. And again, 2020 was always supposed to be that year where it all kind of came together. Again, this is the second year of a rebuild, and you see people posting tweets with like, uh, all right, this is you know Flores' stats compared to Adam Gase in, in New York. No one in New York feels the way about their franchise the way the Dolphins do and what yeah, Brian Flores has done. I mean, comparison. you see the 180, and we've been down the road of mediocrity, but you see it get, taking a step in the right direction, and we just got to remember this is year two of a you know an, a three-, four-year rebuild, and the pieces are starting to come together. And with that said, I got to throw this out there because it's been the talk of Twitter. We know how bad the Houston Texans are. 
at some point, you know, what if, and we didn't even talk about this before the show, what if the Miami Dolphins came out and they, that Houston Texans pick is the number one overall pick? Right now, you know, I see people, CK Parrott, three yards per carry, one of the, the better followers that you can have, uh, you know, when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. He said he would take tre- uh, Trevor Lawrence. And have we even got to that discussion where, you know, Tua goes out there this year, maybe they go four and four. He shows some potential, but you have Trevor Lawrence sitting there staring in the face. What do you do, Jake? I mean, I, I think having him battle it out and then you trade off the guy for a King's Ransom. And, and the thing is, like, just because someone would lose that quarterback battle doesn't mean uh, they aren't still an awesome quarterback, right? That's kind of the thing here. Are you comparing an A to an A plus? And I think even, like, you got to think if you're trading him, if you're trading away one of these quarterbacks or trading away that pick who's going to be a quarterback, the only difference is, you're, is when you're getting the draft picks, right? There's no harm in making that trade, and then you keep some, one of them for a season as a backup. Maybe even somehow they split time, and, and the one who kind of plays a little worse get, gets traded off. That I mean, I think that'd be the way to go about it. And to and to build on it a little bit too, Josh, would you, if you are the Miami Dolphins, right? South Florida's football team. And you have are staring those two games against the Jets right in the eyes. And they're, let's say both them and Houston, I don't know the exact week they play. Let's say they're both 0-10. I know there's them, the numbers might not line up there. They're both 0-10. And the Dolphins are, I don't know, 4-6. and They No, they won't be that. Let's say 3-7 and for this argument. Do you take one or two losses on the chin from the Jets to make sure Houston gets that first overall pick? <laughs> Would you do that? Would you accept that fate of going into New York as a Miami Dolphins fan and saying, here you go, you can have a win. Would you do that for Houston to get the first overall pick? All right. I know how it's going to sound, and people are (laughs) going to call me a coward and, you know, all sorts of names. First and foremost, Brian Flores would never do that. We saw last (laughs) year he had no interest in tanking. They still found a way to get their quarterback. Brian Flores has no interest in this, but – I do believe, and you know, just to touch on what we talked about a little bit earlier, I think I, I like where, where you and CK are headed. You get Trevor Lawrence because I do think that this is, you know, one of the best, if not the best, quarterback prospect that has come out in decades. You get him, you let him into a battle it out, and that's the way to go about that. But um, to sit here and get back to your point, I I don't. I think that Trevor Lawrence is a good enough quarterback that if I was, you know, in a hypothetical world where my team was eliminated, and again, I'm I, I'm going to sound like a coward, I would absolutely let the Jets <laughs> defeat my team in order to keep Trevor Lawrence far away from that franchise because I do think, again, Trevor Lawrence is that type of talent. Brian Flores would never do it, but uh, I, I think I would absolutely 100%, like no hesitation, if it would also include an Adam Gase contract extension. It, yep, I, that's the part I would lay down. I'd go, I might go on 16 for that because that would be awesome. Adam Gase deserves a lifetime uh, contract to be the head coach of the New York Jets. He is that great of a coach. I think that's all what we want to see. I think that's good for the NFL to have Adam Gase as the head coach of the New York Jets. And Josh, I mean, we could sit here, and I think you're right. It's probably going to be another week before Tua, but I, I still think this week would have been ideal to get him in that second half. I'm going to say on San Fran um, would be another great break, day to play. Break, breaking, breaking news. The Texans owner, Cal McNair, has fired Bill O'Brien as coach and general oh. manager. So as we're <laughs> sitting here O'Brien talking about it, boom goes the dynamite. That, down goes the dynamite. So who knows what's going to happen with Houston because, I mean, I don't know who's next in line, but 
how are you going to, you know, turn that franchise around after that 0-4 start? That, that's a bombshell. And, and, you know, you could kind of look at it two ways. Is some kind of guy going to come in and fight and get that team to a crazy run and finish 7-9? and that's a possibility, or you could look at it in the other way is they do what the Dolphins did. They realize you're in a huge hole. Obviously, I think this Houston one is a much, 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 much messier situation. But or do you and you start trading guys away? Do you start looking at the JJ Watts in the world? Do you start trying to ship off guys the contenders just to maybe get a couple second round and third round picks to kind of absorb some of this hit you're gonna take from having an awful, awful draft that doesn't include a first round pick this year? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, that is a dumpster fire, and I just – you got to – I mean, everyone could sit here and critique Chris Greer and, and Brian Flores and, and Steven Ross for the job that they've done, you know, X, Y, and Z. But Chris Greer getting that haul for Laramie Tunsil. I mean, Laramie Tunsil is a great athlete. I mean, oh my God. Deser- I mean, I, he deserved the money that he got, but this is this is awesome to, to just see the way – you know, we got two firsts last year. You know, now we got two firsts this year coming. It's going to be awesome. And with that, too, though, I do want to mention Larry Tunsil is still a guy, again, great player. I'm not trying to bash him. He's a better left tackle than, than we even hope Austin Jackson becomes, if we're being honest. But he's still struggling with the penalties. And then you kind of get into the what, the way the, the sport is going in terms of analytics. Would you maybe sacrifice a sack for that sort of pre-snap penalty? And, and that's a kind of a conversation for another day and way above my pay grade. But something to kind of keep in mind when you're trying to play winning football, the Dolphins' offensive line has certainly been doing that. And that's all we can kind of really say. You know, you kind of mentioned the importance uh, that uh, Minka Fitzpatrick would play in the secondary. But, I mean, that that pick is looking like a huge, huge uh, win for the Dolphins just because the offensive line with Austin Jackson on it is looking great, looking absolutely great. And, and that's just another note to bring out of these trades where – all the picks that uh, the Dolphins have picked, yes, Igbenagdi struggled. I think we, it's way too early to kind of say anything about that. I remember Vontae Davis struggling as a rookie. Uh, Sean Smith, who became a decent cornerback, struggled as a rookie. So, I mean, it's two a time. Let's let the, let, I want to see what all our rookies can do. Let's do that. Get excited about the first-round picks we'll have next year, the second-round picks we'll have next year, and, and watch the Texans also crumble to the ground. Yeah, and let's get Big Bob Hunt in there. I want to see him playing some right tackle. Let, let's bring this whole thing to fruition and, and and watch this offense, you know, flourish the way it was supposed to. It's two a time. It's two. We're going to be chanting this, you know, until he comes out here. We're ready for it. The entire fan base should be ready for it. And I think they bring two in. It's going to completely rejuvenate this offense this fan base this team and you know who knows what they could do with that one and three start turn that thing around and, and next thing you know you know two of low and the miami dolphins are in the playoffs and we're all running through the streets naked as always <laughs> and with it too uh it's worth mentioning that that robert hunt does enter the game obviously not every down but he, he's been jumping in as their sixth uh lineman so it's not like he's so 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 behind the pace or behind the eight ball in terms of competing for that right tackle job he is their sixth out of five starting linemen so that's something to keep in mind as he tries to work his way up but josh i mean that pretty much settles it that that game left us a lot to be desired you kind of saw it in the first half we saw it we knew field goals weren't going to win that game and obviously the dolphins didn't want to do anything about that you don't know how much that it leans on Flores for not wanting to go it on for, go for it on fourth down or even just Chan Gailey not having the plays available to get those third and threes that set up the the fourth and short but that's all we have for you guys today before we head out of here remember smash that subscribe button leave a review that stuff helps us out quite quite a lot and Josh 
You should be following him on Twitter. He has all the Dolphins content you could look for at H-O-U-T-Z. I kind of just complain a lot on Twitter. You can find me at jmetal94. Josh, any day now, we're going to wake up to some breaking news saying Tua is going to be the guy. But until then, we'll see everyone as we preview the San Francisco 49ers on either Wednesday or Thursday. Look forward to that in your stream sooner rather than later. Uh, that's all we got for you guys today. Thanks for listening. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up, baby. It's Tua time. For the rest of your day. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami.